and gentlemen, Charlie Shamp. Charlie, here we are. So much to talk about. So many things are happening. So many things are happening and, 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 uh, and stuff. Lots of stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of stuff. And I thought we'd just sit here and have a, have a conversation about some of the stuff that, that's going on. Let's do it. All right, come on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, this, like, like, people, if they're watching this, they're just going to just gonna have to deal with this because this is like, bro, we're on like session 27 or something for the week. We, we, like this is, we're doing an eight-day conference with three okay. sessions a day. And so, um, you know what I'm saying? So that, that, that makes me stinking awesome because here we go. Here we go. Let's yeah. do it. Let's Come do on. it. It's by the, you know, by the Saturday, by like the 20th meeting, yeah. that's when you get on the verge of like delirium. Yes. And that's when yes. like the Lord can really move. Yes. When you're like, is that an angel or a demon or just an imagination <laughs> or, you know. And you're caffeinated to the max. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's funny. Just before we went live, I asked the live studio audience if anybody had a Red Bull and, uh, and nobody did. But somebody offered to get me one. But I yeah. was like, no. Yeah, my I was saying that my buddy had these, um, like it looked like they were it was like a dip, and I was gonna rebuke him, like, dude, what are you doing with like these dips, like you know, like you're to like I didn't know right. that you were doing. You're supposed to be a preacher. Oh, he's a preacher. You yeah, yeah, like part. an up and coming preacher. And so he takes that little thing and he's like, and he had yeah, it ready, and, and, you're and like, he had like these little pouches that looked like little like those little dips. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what are you doing? All the preachers are doing it. Yeah. No, and it, but what was, what, was, what was going on? So it was, it was coffee grinds in these little, like, pouches. And you, you can, like, take them, and I guess they give you, like, a bit of a caffeination boost. I haven't tried them, but I, I wonder <laughs> if they do work. It's just one of those things where it's, it's a bit triggering even hearing that. And it's not because there's anything necessarily wrong with, you know, putting something here in your alert, but just the idea that people put, you know, like a fiberglass kind of, nicotine kind of thing there and you're just like you know so you hear that it's like the same thing with have you heard about these they got these vape pens have you heard okay. about this and there's no nicotine or anything in them and but all they, they'll put like uh, uh b vitamins in them or they'll put like um uh just like vitamins but there's nothing you know there's nothing um you know nicotine or tobacco or anything like that right but it, but it doesn't really matter because, you know, if you see a pastor driving down the road and he's got this thing. It's but it's like, like vaping? Yeah, yeah, and all this steam goes out, the, you know. People are going to wow. be like, oh, my gosh, pastor's vaping. But he, and he's like, no, it's not. It's, 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 it's vitamin B. But you're like, come on, dude. Can't you just do it like everybody else, like with some emergency or something? Yeah. You know? So you inhale it. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, I've never like seen a direct that. shot of vitamin B into your – or what's the big one? It's the stuff that people take at night when they can't sleep. Um Melatonin, yeah. So it's oh. a melatonin kind of vape pen. Wow. But again, just one of those things that, uh, you know. I, I got those those uh, vitamin patches. You've okay. seen those yeah. on my wife? Yeah, yeah, those yeah, those yeah, vitamin yeah. patches. Yeah, me you with got those. good ones. I got cheap ones. I got I got uh, cheap vitamin B patches. Yeah, you like put them on. Somebody thought it was like a nicotine patch one time. Oh, they saw it on you? Yeah, yeah. Because they they're, like, they're like black. Yeah, Is that yeah right? like totally black. I saw it on you the other day. And yeah, it was like yeah. this big black patch. Realize what's going on with Brother Charlie? <laughs> like, well, that explains it. <laughs> this what's been going on. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Right. Yeah, because I got, I got, but they don't, they don't really work for me. Those vitamin B patches, but 
you got you got that good the whole thrive thing. Yeah. You know, which is which is I, good. I think that it's good to have health. Dude, somebody, this is cool. I was gonna see if she was here, but somebody in the conference got a word for me about my body, which is interesting. Mm. And they were like, listen, the Lord spoke to me and said, like, what God's gonna be doing with you is gonna require for you to be in like in shape. Right. So they paid for me for a personal trainer for this next year. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, thank you very much. Well, you know, so many, so many ministers die too young. I used to know the stats on it. Well, I mean, it's, it's like a lot of miracle workers, especially, die around 60 years old. Miracle or workers, really? Like people that like flow in heavy um, anointings for the miraculous, they, they end up dying like because either before they're, they're, they're 60. Like TB Joshua just died, he was 58. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's not necessarily because the. It's obviously not because of the anointing or not because of the gifts that's on their life, um, but you know they can get worn out and get tired, and um, it's something that I don't think a lot of people talk about. And and they don't take you don't take care of your your body like I was talking to a minister, <clears throat> uh, that's he's in his sixties, and he told me, he said. He said, you must work out every single day. And I was like, why? He was like, because you need to keep your body physically strong. And he was like, I didn't do that in my youth. Yeah. And now I'm suffering as a result of that. Like, I can't even get on airplanes because yeah. I have back problems. And he said to me, he said, make sure that you're taking care of your body physically and making sure that you're exercising and working out and on a regular vitamin regiment so that you'll have energy. He said, because you're praying for people for hours and hours and hours, and, and you know, that things will happen to well, you. I got to say, our team is so awesome here. So for this week with all these sessions, right, uh, we got the best, the world's best hospitality team. And so they sat down with me, and uh, we were going over the plan for the week. They said, all right, what do you want to do? Like, what are you thinking food-wise? And I said, I want to do a full keto men menu for the entire week wow. and they laughed and they thought i was kidding but then i said no listen uh, we're doing three sessions a day and so if we do a big pasta lunch we do a big spaghetti thing for lunch right how are we going to do a podcast how are we going to do the eating so bless their hearts they did a full-blown keto menu this whole week so bro i have been eating this i've just been sitting sleeping and eating this entire week right yeah yeah i've lost three pounds wow Thank you, Jesus, right? Like, you're like, I don't care. But, um, you know, yeah, so it, it is important. It's, yeah. it's, it's really important. But I think it's interesting what you're saying about, like, people, especially in the healing right. uh, ministry and also just how the enemy probably has, a, a, has an assignment. Also with these guys in, 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 in these countries, uh, my dad did a lot of stuff in Indonesia, and there is a ridiculous amount of witchcraft that mm. gets framed. Oh, well, same within the U.S., but um, uh, we saw some pretty crazy stuff. Uh, involving Christian witchcraft in the church in order to take out pastors of large works, but not from outside witches, but from inside of these organizations because there's so much power, there's so much money, and there's an order and people are waiting. To, you know, if, if, if one guy gets taken out, everybody gets to move up kind of the core. And people don't think of that as far as church world, but you get into these huge churches where there's millions and millions and millions of dollars at right. stake and huge salaries, 
and to think that there's there is actually Christian witchcraft in order to take people out from different you know yeah and uh, I've had conversations with Charlie Robinson about some of the some of the crazy stuff that that he has seen for himself and it's pretty it's pretty wild so we need to be healthy but we need to be discerning right and yeah discerning <laughs> who's around you you were talking about that this morning about you need to know who's anointing you're receiving from yeah the people that are around you who's directly associated with you. And, you know, it's like the difference between Elijah Elisha and, um, you know, Elisha and uh, Gehazi. You know, Elijah released the anointing upon Elisha, but Elisha really didn't discern the people that were around him. Mm. And when you look at the, when you look in the Bible, um, Elisha actually died before his time. And a lot of theologians believe that he uh, was cancerous. Really? Yeah. And that and that that's how he passed. Wow. And I, I and I think that some of the things that are not just obviously spiritual, mm-hmm. but also in the natural, uh, were was even affecting his health where where he was taken before his time. And I think that has a bit to do with people that were around him because Gehazi was a thief. He was like thieving, stealing from him, and, um, you know, manipulating to be not just around Elisha, but also to, to um, get the benefits of being around that anointing. Because wow, anointing wow, attracts wow. wealth. Yeah. And yeah. it attracts wealthy people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if we're not careful, it happens it happened to um, um, William Branham. Hmm. William Branham actually ended up owing the IRS hundreds of thousands of dollars wow. um, because of the the people that were stealing from him. Wow! Did you know? No, you, I didn't you know, know this. Uh-uh. So he said he was like just a simple guy. In fact, somebody gave him a Cadillac, and he didn't drive it for five years. He kept it in his in his. Um, Garage because he didn't want people to think that he was about money. Sure. All the while, he's getting paid, I think his salary a year was something that he could barely live on. Really? And uh, I want to mistake it. I think it was like under $20,000 that he was making while his, um, his, the guy that set up all of his meetings was making over $100,000. His booking agent. His booking guy. Yeah. Wow. And he was like literally just just wow. raking money off of that anointing from the prophet. From wow. the prophet. Wow. <clears throat> but because of his simpleness and saying like, I don't want to care about the money. I don't want to look after the money. I don't want to know anything about the money because I'm wow. a man of God. Wow. All the while there was people behind the scenes stealing from him. And then when the IRS came, uh, it didn't come, they didn't come to his agent. They came to him. And so he ended up for nearly a decade owing the IRS wow. and the U.S. government thousands of dollars simply because of the people that were around him. Wow. You know? So they wow. didn't really protect him, and they didn't care about him. They just saw his gifting as a point of financial gain for themselves, which yeah. is scary, right? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, the Troy Burr spoke yesterday. He talked about the tension between wisdom and revelation. 
and that wisdom is like what, what's associated with kings and revelation with priests. And, and oftentimes kings and priests don't get along. Like kings kill priests is one of the things that he, that he said yesterday. Mm. And, um, and, it, and he talked, talked about like every church split usually comes down to a split between those that are walking in wisdom and those that are walking in revelation. Right. It makes me think just about, you know, people that are operating in these revelatory gifts in these places where they don't want to be bothered by um, just the logistics, and you know, uh, of what it takes to run a ministry or what it takes to even run their own physical bodies. Like, yeah. I just you know, take me to the next meeting. But how important it is to have people that are truly trustworthy and operating in a wisdom gift and having that having that trust and having that. That, that relationship there. I mean, ideally, if you can have that within your marriage, right? Like, and I think that's why the Lord oftentimes will put somebody, like, will put a king with a priest, mm. you know, in, in a place of marriage, mm-hmm. just for our own protection, I think. But man, yeah. yeah. And, and two, um, you know, a lot of times what I've noticed with older ministers mm-hmm. is that towards the end, that's when all the leeches come. Wow. Because it's easier to, you think it's easier to take advantage of people. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Just to take everything. You know, that's what happened to A. Allen. Allen, I mean, because R.W. Schambach had left um, before Allen passed. But there was another minister who stayed right along with Allen till the end. And so basically, they kind of saw him as the heir hmm. to the, the throne. And, you know, he bankrupted Alan's ministry after he died, took everything. And, and, you know, you look at Miracle Valley now and it's, I mean, it's, there's nothing left of it. But while Alan was alive, it was thriving. It was amazing. And, and, and for me, even the, the things associated around Alan's ministry, as far as his, what I, what, what we've been told about the alcohol and things Mm -hmm. like that. I don't even necessarily believe that because it only comes from one particular minister mm-hmm. who was with him at the very end who took everything. That's what I heard. And, and the two other ministers that I knew, Shambach and um, C.S. Updegrove, said that they had never once seen Brother Allen take a drink. Well, so whether he struggled with alcohol or not. If people aren't familiar not, with A.A. Allen, basically the accusation was that he died of, of liver. Yeah, acute alcohol. Right. Uh, and, and that's and why he died. that he was a closet alcoholic during that whole time. Right. But then later on, it turned out that there was even a, um, a denomination that was out to get him and helped kind of frame out that narrative as well. Yeah. So, and that is a denomination. It's still around to this day. Yeah. They're still here. Yeah. yeah. They're around. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, one of the things that people don't know and is maybe people in this room are, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of, one of the things people don't know. <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're just like, right. this, is, this, is, this is the good stuff people yeah. don't know come about. On, but, uh, but, you know, um, Brother Allen had knee problems. He blew out both of his knees because he would do the revival meetings and he would like literally stomp. So he blew out both of his knees. So he had massive pain in both of his knees. And then they prescribed to him um, some pain medication to take for his knees. And... Uh, when he took it, he, he like would get fuzzy. Hmm. Like, and he said, I'm not going to take, you know, I'm not going to take the pain meds. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, it, it, this is something that I think that we don't 
really talk about because now, right, here's a guy that's a miracle worker, right? But yeah, he's dealing with pain in his own physical body, but every night he's seeing miracles after miracles. I saw Brother Shambach right before he went home to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. I saw him pull three people out of wheelchairs. At the same time, he needed two knee replacements, and, and he actually, um, wow, yeah, wow. Himself, he needed knee replacements. Going back to the whole thing of like uh, mentoring the wrong people or releasing your ministry to the wrong people at, at just before your transition into retirement or into glory, um, don't you think that part of that has to do with many people spend the, the entirety of their lives trying to build a ministry and then eventually it works out for themselves and they've, they've worked their tails off and they've been integrous and they've done so much in order to, to, to change the world and all of a sudden now they are changing the world but it's like in a moment, in a moment of time, it's like, oh my goodness, my time's almost up, mm. and I want to leave a legacy. I, mm. I want for what I've done to continue to create. And I think that sometimes we think about our own exit plan far too late, you know. I, and and I think that that's one of the things where Jesus was thinking about it from day one. Like the first day of ministry, he was thinking about his disciples. Right. He was all he was already planning his his exit strategy. I think from day one. I think that for many of us ministers. We're, we th we're not thinking about our exit strategy. We're thinking about building. Like, how do we build? How do we, how do we actually make a mark here? You know, how do we really make an impact? And then all of a sudden, I, 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 we come to this point where, oh, wow, I've, I've worked so hard to create this thing, but I want it to, to last. Because there's some really interesting examples of people that were able to transition their ministries over to the next generation, and it worked. But for the majority of ministers, it doesn't really seem to work. Right. And in a worst case scenario, there's a premature tra transition to the wrong to the wrong person. And then you see these people have to watch the ship that they built actually sink in front of their eyes because they gave it to a captain that had no business driving a ship of that size, scale and anointing. Yeah. Yeah. And then and, and, and the ministry is usually built around the man or the or the person. That's interesting. Right. You know, right. so how are you going to duplicate that? Right. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily <laughs> Darren's think thought ministries now being given to Bob Henderson. Yeah, right? like, I don't know if that's even. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's even possible. I, I think the anointing can be transferable. Sure. And it can. It's the anointing is 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 tangible and transferable. But as far as an empire, I don't know if the empire can be handed. Hmm. I think that that is a whole different discussion. But can as far as the anointing. Can you think of a ministry that when it transitioned, it actually went from glory to glory? It actually came up a notch. I can't think of one right now. Yeah. But I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I, 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 I see that ministries are handed over, um, and, but things are built, but I, I, I don't see them. Usually don't like go to that next level and maybe it's because it's things are built around a brand instead of built around like the kingdom fruit of so for example like jesus didn't really build a brand he really empowered those disciples to step into the fullness of who yeah. they were and then the church just began to grow and so maybe that's the problem is that we're looking for how do we sustain a, a brand versus how do we truly empower a generation to, to do the stuff and right. then they're they're running and going you know Right. And, and then you can tell, too, people that catch people's anointings. Mm. And you can say, oh, they had that, that, they got that anointing 
they may not even have been associated with the person, but they caught that it, because the anointing is, is, is tangible. You can catch the anointing and you can run with it. Um, I think that is more the direction that people need to go as, as opposed to like just handing over, you know, a ministry. Now, Brother Hagen, um, he, his ministry really kept elevating all the way until he died. And it, but it never made, um, it never, it won't, he had three uh, key intercessors that were directly assigned to his life mm. that were behind the scenes and God used them uh, as people that were around him that he would even run revelation by. So he would run revelation by them and then they would kind of pray about it and then they would work it out through the word. And even some things, Brother Hagin said that he only taught 10% of the stuff that he knew. Oh, really? Yeah, only wow. 10%. Yeah. But, he, but I, from what I understand, Brother Hagin's ministry never elevated to the next level after those three people passed away. Mm. God had assigned the, those people to his life as personal intercessors to him. But once they went home to be with the Lord, it was like his ministry never took that next like leap, you know, and he, before he went home to be in glory. That, that sounds so awesome. Like that whole concept of just having not just intercessors, but intercessors that you trust theologically, where you're literally submitting your revelation to them and they're praying and discerning. That, 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 that's, that, that's so cool. Yeah, that is some so things awesome. aren't for public consumption. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Hey, uh, switching gears a little bit. Okay. So um, uh, this whole thing of what's happening with Russia right now and the U.S. And, um, and this place where up to two days ago, we had been purchasing huge amounts of oil um, from, from Russia. And so we've been at, we say that we're not at war. But we're totally involved in this whole thing, even if we're not pulling the trigger on, on bombs. But America's totally at war, even if, even if we haven't declared war to the degree that we're involved. And, it could, and it's escalating. Things are going kind of crazy. Yeah. So if people were to take that assumption that I'm, that I'm saying, that I believe that America is really involved in this thing, and that I would say that we are at war as a country. Um, and so we are purchasing large amounts of oil from one of our enemies mm. and i realize some of this some of this is is triggering i don't mean the people of russia but i mean that we are funding an infrastructure that putin is a part of not that the russian people are enemies right mm -hmm. all the while okay we have a pipeline that's ready to go but has been squashed because of the Green New Deal and because of whatever else. Day mm -hmm. one in office, Biden shut down mm -hmm. uh, the pipeline. Uh, there's many theories on this, but one of the big theories is that this whole thing is a part of the COVID narrative, that this whole thing is part B of a planned conspiracy to bankrupt cities and nations, because why else would our leadership of our country be making such what my wife would refer to as an unwise financial choice. Yeah. Right. And, and the part B of this is to what point do we as a church really wake up to the fact that we are being lied to from both sides of the aisle? Mm 
-hmm. that we're being lied to by the Republicans, we're being lied to by the Democrats, we're being lied to by Fox News, we're being lied to by CNN. So praying the headlines, that's not, that's not going right. to work. And um, I'm just going to throw a lot of stuff out on the table, then you, you, you play with whatever cards I, I throw out. But the final thing is, all of this is taking place. Meanwhile, there are many people that say that you have no business prophetically speaking into any of this, and you should just shut up. Mm. You know, this place of this attempt to silence the prophets, meanwhile, all this stuff is taking place. Just pray the headlines and let's silence the prophets. Mm -hmm. So feel free to disagree with anything that I'm that I'm saying. I mean, if, you know, which which you will anyway, right? You, speak your mind. But it feels like there's a lot of a lot of stuff taking place right now. I believe we're completely being lied to um, by by everybody. And part of the question is, do you think there is this global conspiracy that our own leadership would would want to bankrupt our country? I think that there are those that are in power that see the potential of making backhanded deals and they do not care about the common person. And they will create the narrative in order to financially secure their future mm. and realize because they do not believe in God that there will be no consequences for what they do right now in that they are looking at how to uh, build a wealth that would be that would basically uh, make them and their families elitists, and I think that what's ha what we're seeing right now, especially in America, is that those that are elitists are trying to widen the gap between those that are poor and the, those that are extremely wealthy so that there is no longer any middle class in America. And it's not by accident that you go from a, from, um, a nation being energy independent where gasoline is like, right. I mean, a dollar 40 to almost over $5 at this point. You, it's not by accident that you shut down all these things. You do all these things to manipulate. Um, and we're just supposed to sit back and be, I, I guess, defensive as far as it goes with, you're saying, like, pray the headlines. Mm -hmm. To me, there, there's a generation that, that's, that, that they were not proactive. They were only, they only reacted to things. They only would react after the fact. And we can't be that way. We have to stop listening to the propaganda on both sides, recognize what God wants to do in this hour and allow the spirit of the Lord to lead us and guide us. Because on both sides, there are things that are being said that just are not true. Right. right and in, right. and, and, and a lot of, you know, what's been coined fake news. Mm-hmm or falsified information in order to manipulate the minds of people in order to get a reaction out of them. And we have to pull out from that, not allow the, the puppet master to move the strings any longer and realize that as the church of Jesus Christ, we have been called to proclaim and advance that kingdom. And, you know, we're... The Lord spoke to me and said that we were in a year, a five-year period 
of in, in the United States where there was going to be much disturbance, turmoil, and it was all centered around uh, the election being stolen. And he said to me, he said, there are consequences to a stolen election. And as a result, uh, there's going to be five years of turbulent times, but I will reserve my church in the land of Goshen. And so they, they will prosper, they will be blessed, and, they, and, and my hand will be upon them, for protecting them from the things that are going to be, uh, the judgment that's going to be on, in the land. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, um, and, and here's the thing, Darren, is that it doesn't matter. I've, I've, I've learned over time that it doesn't matter how many times you get something right. Mm -hmm. you could, I could say, the Lord says this, and because of the way the church is, they wait to see. See, like a year ago, I had, I had prophesied about Russia invading the Ukraine. People that followed our ministry have been praying right. over that prophecy right, right. for a year to the date, wow. to the very same day, a year later, the first rockets are fired and they move into the country. You can't even make that up. Right. That isn't even Charlie Champ. That's just the Lord speaking. Right, right, right. But we are in a, a Western society that has... Um, taken the anointing of God and the things of the Spirit and monopolized them. We've literally monopolized the gospel and so that we don't even, some people don't even believe what is, they don't even believe in miracles. They don't even believe in healing. They don't, they don't even believe in this stuff, but they recognize that there's financial blessing and gain that they can get from it. Mm-hmm. So they play and manipulate the game. They do that on purpose because they, they just they, they see a charismatic Pentecostal church that believes in all this stuff. And so they're, they've created a monopoly, literally created a monopoly, created a, a framework for these things. And we, 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 we are in a place, I'm going to be very honest with you, that people can't discern the true authentic anointing from something that's just fake. When you tell me that I can't go, uh, I can't go on your show uh, because you don't like my stance about Trump, but you just had somebody that, was, that was, had a Bible full of oil and you sold it on your show, that, would, that was found out that it was a fake. It wasn't mm -hmm. even supernatural. Mm -hmm. Be, and you're saying, well, I can't have you on because of, you, because of integrity purposes. That's scary to me. Talking about me. I, I'm only going to bring you on because, well, you know, obviously the thing with Trump didn't work out. Well, obviously the thing with the oil from Alabama didn't work out. Right, right, right. And I'm just wondering what's going on. Right. Because as long as we're going to continue to play games... Um, and nobody's going to talk about this stuff, then, then we're just going to keep getting the same results. And everybody wants things to go back to normal, but they're just never going back to normal anymore. And we're not in a time right now where it's like peacetime. We're, right. in, we're in a wartime. Right. And we're in a, a time of war in the realm of the spirit. And you need people, even if you don't like me, you need people like me. Because I'm going to say things that nobody else is going to say. 
and it's just the way it's going to be. So anyways, that's how my thoughts. No, it's good. It's good. And you're taking it back to the, the financial incentive, right? Like that, that um, but ultimately it's, it's not really ultimately about money. That money represents power at a certain, right. at a certain point, people quit caring about money and what they're actually looking for is, is power. Right. And it feels like what we're actually looking at is, um, is something that's not necessarily centered around a particular nation in that when you look at the coronavirus, everybody pretty much got, got, got screwed over in that. Of course, you know, the Chinese, they were able to, they, they were able to get through it a little quicker than, than anyone else. But uh, it, it, it feels like there's something that, that's a lot bigger than a particular nation. And, and it also feels like it's a lot bigger than, than perhaps just the accumulation of wealth within the various elites. What I'm wondering is, is that if, if, the, if the puppet masters that were able to play us, I'm just cracking up because uh, I remember when England uh, said no more COVID um, mandates. Right, no more you masks. Know? Yeah, no more masks. And that was at the same time that uh, Ukraine was being invaded by Russia and there was the talk of war. And so immediately the UK was like, we need, we need people spending money. We, we need our, our, our economic infrastructure going. And right. so we're done playing the game. And it was almost like at that point they, they played their hand. It was almost like at that point, like, yes, this whole thing has been a big game. Now we're going from one uh, soap opera to the next soap opera. Right. Now I realize that people's lives are being lost as they were with COVID, you know, and I, and I realized that, that that what's taking place in the Ukraine is, is tragic, right? Absolutely tragic. But it, 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 it's, it's curious to me, um, how everybody's positioning and posturing themselves mm -hmm. and just looking at the decisions that we're making in the U S right. And how, how we're being impacted drastically. Um, by the that by these decisions, not just oil. I mean, just look at how much it costs for. I, I heard the other day that it could cost twenty five bucks for a box of Cheerios because of the cost of wheat that that's going up right now. Like it is insane yeah. what is taking place. Inflation's going going through the roof, which makes me wonder if at a, if at a certain point when you have all these nations that 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 have that have been going through these this, these massive global crisis, at what point there's some sort of you know, not to go, not to be the uh, the revelation guy, not to be the the rapture guy, like at this moment. But if there is, if if the idea of a global currency, the idea of a of a global uh, support net, the uh, the idea of some of, of this being a part of a of a global plan to bring about, you know, uh, solution. I mean, that certainly is a, that certainly is is a theory, and it just it just seems so strange to have these. Epoch moments, two right. major timeline-changing moments, so close together, you know. Well, the earth moves in cycles. We know that. And um, if we study out the pattern, it's no different than things that have already transpired in the earth. Mm -hmm. So I understand what people are saying about end times. Mm -hmm. But what we're experiencing right now is the same thing that they were experiencing in uh, 1918 during that particular, the Spanish flu. Hmm. What happened right after the Spanish flu? World War One. So the earth moves in cycles. Wow. And so even the Pentecostals in, in, that were during that time felt that 
that it was the end time. Wow, sure. That this was the end and this was, this was it. The only difference between the Pentecostals uh, uh, and Charismatics of, of when we're living now and Charismatics and Pentecostals of, of that time period, um, not, not just speaking theologically, but when they would talk about like the baptism of fire, they didn't just see it as for miracle signs and wonders or, you know, walking through walls and, you know, walking on water. They actually saw it as a baptism of suffering. Hmm. Wow. So they viewed it much differently. They approached their, the uh, revival in a much different aspect. Wow. So they just came out of Azusa. Now you have this whole thing with um, the Spanish flu. You're moving into the 1920s where you have Wigglesworth, you have Amy Simple McPherson, you have um, a few others, Charles Price, um, and God uses the, these as um, apostolic leaders. Wow. Wow. But then pioneers uh, with, with power to raise the dead, to cast out devils, to impact Hollywood, to impact all these. But at the same time, here's this world war that's getting ready to go. And, and so yeah, that's fascinating. if you look at it, we're in a similar cycle. You know, there, and it's, there's studies been done on it. There's a book called The Fourth Turning, and in, in, in especially in America, that goes through four turnings. We're in that fourth turning right now. Wow, and, wow. And during that fourth turning, there are those that always, got, that always emerge as um, the saviors, those that are going to champion wow. and bring transformation. And, and as a result of what they do as being you know, warriors during that, during moments of conflict, uh, the next generation reaps off of that. And there's a, a massive season of prosperity. We see this even biblically with the life of David and his son, Samuel, uh, Solomon, mm-hmm. and in that David was a warrior. And God said to him, you're, you're, you're a man of war. You're a man of the, of the presence, and you brought the ark back. You brought my presence back, but you don't get to build the temple. So there are even things within us that legacy-wise that what we're doing right now is preparation for a time where our kids are going to walk forth in, in great blessing, I believe. Yes. Dude, that's awesome. I'm going to check that book out, Yeah, The Fourth Turning. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. So we're about to see an emergence of a new school of supernaturalists and a, 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 and a, a holy response to the nonsense that is taking place in the, in the culture versus the church reacting, as you were saying. The church tends to be more reaction, reactionary, but we're about to see, we're about to see a, an, a, an uprising of, of, uh, of true watchmen. Yeah, just wild, wild, Strange. off the off the uh, grid kind of ministers, because that and that's exactly what is t- taking place. And we can see that every time God does something new, especially when it comes to revival, He always has to go outside of the structure that was already created. Mm-hmm. He moves outside of that structure, and then so that He can move His people on to what He wants to do for them. Yeah. So even even with the 1950s revivals, that the reason that they had to meet in tents wasn't because it was like fun to meet in a tent. 
The reason that they had to meet in tents is because the denominations, Pentecostal denominations of that time, did not agree with the manifestations that were wow. happening in the meetings. They did not agree with the preaching that was uh, going forth. And so they made a harsh stance against it and closed their doors. So those preachers like Alan or Roberts, Jack Coe, all the healing revivalists, William Branham, all had to go outside of the denominational structure and God had to use them in that way. So they would, they set up tents, fields and uh, revival was happening all over America. It's fascinating, isn't it? Just the latter rain revival that broke out in North Battleford. Uh, is that North Battleford? Uh, Canada. Right. You know, um, and that's where William Branham came out of there and, and, and so, so many others. But all, that was also kind of the, uh, the resurgence of this understanding and appreciation teaching for fivefold ministry and the, and the believing in and the, the practice and the installment of the office of the apostle and the prophet, right? And how controversial that was. And that wasn't that long ago. My dad was born in 1948, you know? And, and also at that time, a, a major denomination that we will not, Use, we will not refer to. Right. <laughs> but the same denomination that we were talking about earlier, oddly enough, released a doctrinal statement basically completely um, deconstructing the idea that that fivefold, and we're not talking about the Baptists, we're talking about the main Pentecostal denomination of its day, hmm. saying that there is not a, a continuance of the office of the apostle and the prophet, right, right? right? And a document that still exists to this day. Oddly enough, the denomination in Australia repented of that publicly and uh, to Rodney Howard Brown, from my understanding, wow. in the late 90s and said that in Australia, they recognized the office of the apostle and the prophet, which, which I thought was really, really interesting. Mm. Um, but that's not that long ago. I mean, just, and, and now to this day, a lot of people don't really wrestle with that. Even people in the, in the, in the, in the more of the uh, reform stream, mm. um, just depending on how deep you go, but a lot of people don't really wrestle with the fact that God has established prophets, modern-day prophets and apostles today, which is pretty, which is pretty incredible. Um, yeah. But it feels like something's definitely taking place, especially since the Trump era and then going from Trump era into COVID into the, the talk of World War III, which, which we're hearing the possibility of every day in the headlines. And it could be just for for ratings and whatnot. But right. certainly something is, is taking place. And when it comes to the, the role of the prophet in the church, I've never seen the charismatic kind of revival camp so divided in trying to figure out what the role of the modern-day prophet is. Mm -hmm. you know, many people in the church would say that the role of the modern-day prophet is to encourage and cheer up and and uh, you know, you know, if it doesn't give you goosebumps, it's not from God, right? And uh, and then other people say, well, no, read the Bible. There's uh, there's a clear office of the prophet that's different than just saying, you know, I really sense that God loves you. You know, nothing wrong with that. You know, right. just do that with your barista at Starbucks. Don't do that when you meet with the king of a nation, right? Right. And after this whole thing went down with Trump, okay. Um, there was a response within the whatever camp you want to call it. And the response was to establish a website. And the website was to nail down what they believed was going to be the biblical definitions for the modern-day prophet. Right. And then they, they tried to get as many 
modern day apostles and pastors and teachers to sign their name to this document, um, almost perhaps in a reaction to being embarrassed by the fact that certain, you know, and you had all kinds of people signing their names on there. In fact, I think that even Donald Duck actually signed his name to the, no, no joke, but there was names on there. I was like, well, that's not even a real person, actually. And um, I'll, <laughs> you know, and, I'll, and I'm not kidding. And, and, and the, but even very famous sens- sensationist ministers that don't even believe in the office of the, of the prophet actually also signed their name saying that they believed. So guys, no joke. You had ministers saying they do not believe in the office of the prophet saying that these are the criteria of the modern day prophet. And you signed it. No, I'm just kidding. No. Well, did I tell you about this? Yeah. So somebody actually went on there and signed me. They actually put my name and our ministry had had to uh, get an email. We found an email of the the people that had done this thing. And we sent an email and said, Actually, my name is on here, and Charlie has never has never went on your website, never signed this, but yet somehow uh, his name is here. We don't understand how it even got here, but it needs to be removed because he doesn't agree with it. And it just shows you um, like how, I don't know, how how sad that is, like that people could literally go on there, sign somebody up, fake that they're even that person, and people will be like, oh, Charlie signed this. It's like, I didn't even know about it until somebody said, you signed this document. And I said, I've never signed that document. But they falsified my name on there. The interesting thing is just what the thinking was, what the thought process was, that establishing this apostolic document by stating that these are going to be the parameters by which prophets are going to be held accountable by moving forward, that this particular document is going to restore confidence in the mm. prophetic offices moving forward. When the, when the majority of the body of Christ, even in, within our stream, had no idea that that document even existed. Mm. In fact, I would even probably say that the majority of people in this room, and, and that even listen to this podcast, probably have no idea that that that, that document right. exists and yet that was the intent of the document was to state that here is what here is the official wineskin for perfect ministry henceforward and so bro as far as you um uh are operating within this office and for many years and being you know submitted to you know to 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 a greater uh expression within the kingdom uh you are submitted to various prophets that are very respected within, and people don't realize this about you, but many, many words you don't post on Facebook, you don't post on your on your website. There are words that you submit only to prophets so that there is accountability for when that word comes into completion. And that's what probably nobody here in this room knows or anybody you know online. There are people that believe that you just get words and you just put them up on Facebook. Right. 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 And, um, and so uh, when it comes to you, bro, like what do you believe is not just the role of the, the, of the prophet today, but the importance, like the vital importance for a, for a, a new breed prophet or, or for just people that are truly legitimately actually hearing God's voice. You know, they're not faking it, but they are hearing God and they're releasing the word. 
Um, what do you feel like the importance of that, and what is this looking like on the earth today? Well, I think that the most important thing a prophet can do is pray because we stand in the gap for the things that we see, and we're held responsible for the things that the Lord has shown us, uh, regardless if we ever post them on social media. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we, we live in a time right now um, that is an exciting time, actually, because anyone can post anything <laughs> on their social media, which frightens a lot of people that don't trust the Lord, even in ministry. Wow. Because for decades, there was a bit of a control, even within the charismatic Pentecostal movement, where mm-hmm. <clears throat> you weren't able to get your message out on the, on the wide spectrum that you're able to get it out now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you didn't have YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. You didn't have any of these places where you could, by, the, by just being here right now, you could just literally, t- I could just literally type in, thus says the Lord, and push the send button, and it goes. And if I have a following, people will look at that, and they will, they will um, you know, if they, if they believe what I'm saying, they can share it and it can go viral. It they can, can go, vote on it. They can go around <laughs> With the, the world. With the thumbs up. Yeah. Right. They can, they can say it's good or bad. Um, I think that frightens a lot of people. Um, but for me, I, I believe in being accountable, but I refuse to be accountable to people that don't care. Wow. That's a good point. I refuse. Right. If you've never had any conversation with me, ever you have no association with me whatsoever then i refuse to submit to you i don't care how big your ministry is it just i can't do it because there's 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 nothing there there's no history there at all and now you're wanting to come and you're wanting to lord over something that number 1 you never birthed number 2 you had you uh, never walked with me ever. I don't even know you, but you're proclaiming something that you're like uh, an authority over. Well, what makes you an authority? The, the charismatic Pentecostal movement does not have a denominational structure the way the Catholic Church does. Mm-hmm. And we'll never have that because it's, it's not the way that it's been framed up. And I believe that there are apostles, there are prophets. We should um, we should submit our stuff to uh, those that we're in association with, and we should be held accountable. But there's account there's a different accountability to the people that care about you. Mm-hmm. You know, I've posted stuff up before, and I've gotten you know, like I posted a theological thing uh, that. That wasn't, it was wrong. It wasn't, it wasn't sound. Mm-hmm. And within 15 minutes, somebody that I am personally in relationship texted me and said to me, you need to take this post down. Mm-hmm. And I challenged them and I said, no, you know, this is what I believe, da, 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 da. And so then he, this person, theologically he, he took me to task on it and brought and 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 
called me on the phone for two hours <laughs> and spoke to me about well, this is this, wow. that you need to read this, 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 this. I know what you're trying to do here, but this isn't, this isn't right. And it's totally felt different. Wow. Than some random yeah, little person awesome. releasing awesome. a video right. that they think that I'm gonna that that I'm that we're gonna listen. I'm just I'm like, no. If you, it's two totally different things here, I took that post down and I said, well, I'm gonna study this out more. I don't necessarily agree with everything you're saying, but because I respect you, and and you called me, I'll take it down. Wow. Yeah. See, people don't know these things, and they don't also don't know about, there's been a lot of prophetic words, some things that I've been walking through that I've only released to certain people. You know some of that stuff right, right, that right. I've never spoken publicly about, right. that are happening right now right. as we're talking right, right now, right. that nobody knows about except for like three or four people on the planet. Right. And, and, and so after you see these things come to pass time and time and time again, you you start to question why are why are there certain ones that are only looking to correct but never edify. Mm-hmm. So like you want to correct the Trump stuff, but you never called me right uh, with the Ukraine thing that just happened. Right, right. You just right, you, right. you just I don't I don't understand that. Yeah. So I can't submit to that. I love you and care for you, but I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I, I have an obligation to be to be uh, to follow the Lord ultimately. In the end, I have to answer to him. Yeah, no, that, that is so good. And, uh, and you have to have, I mean, we all have to have these relationships where there is trust so that when there's conflict, it actually makes us tighter. You know, it actually makes us stronger and, and sharper, you know, we, we, and, and, and we, need, we need those relationships, right? And it is kind of funny when we think that we can, when we can insert ourselves into somebody's life, you know, mm-hmm. um, without necessarily, it, we can go right into a place of combat and it, brotherly combat, but without any sort of trust or any sort of even intent to have a, a relationship there. Right. It's also a tricky place right now with this place of, of social media because social media is the, it's a millennials publisher, you know, but right. and I was chatting with, I think uh, Stidham about this, about like, you know, like, and you, as you were just saying in the old days, you know, a, a minister would have to have a publisher. If you're going to write a book, you'd have to have a, a radio station. If you're, you know, you know, what, what would that be at that time? You know, thousands, thousands of dollars to get on the radio, right? Right. So much money to get on TV. So the average minister ha- could, did not have these huge platforms that are available, like you said, to anybody right now. And now everybody gets, gets a microphone. And everybody gets to vote on stuff. And this is, this, this is what has to make the prophetic so strange right now. Probably like for the first time in human history, everybody gets to vote on prophetic words. Everybody gets to be like thumbs up, thumbs down, happy face, sad face, yeah. a wow face. Uh, I'm, right. I'm really mad and swearing face, you know. And it's funny, I, I reached out to a millennial prophet because I was concerned about a word that they released on Facebook um, and, uh, and I, and I tried to be, you know, I didn't have to try to be, I, I'm, I'm pastoral. And so it was very kind and gracious and he knew, he, you know, we'd known of each other and, and, and whatever else. And, and so there, there, there's, there should have been a place there. And I was like, Hey bro, I'm really concerned about this word because of the potential fruit of the word. And in all the comments, um, people are going off right now and they're attacking 
you know, whatever. There was like the, right. like the, 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 the sheep had turned into piranhas, mm. you know, and blood was in the water. And so I, I sent out a word and his response was like, hey, thank you so much for reaching out. But I believe that this is the word of God. I mean, look at how many likes I have. Wow. And he used the number of likes that he got on that, <laughs> on that post to basically verify. Like, We're going to get in so much trouble for this podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. So he used all the, yeah, yeah. You know, because I, I mean, and, and that, that, this, that's a fascinating, like this is a fascinating, you know, time for the church in that really anybody, you know, and we're, and we're seeing this, but we're also seeing the test of time, which is interesting because um, time says a lot, mm. you know, um, but I also think that there's something really important about what God is doing right now. Um, in this prophetic, prophetic sphere, seeing, seeing how the Lord is using you, people like Jonathan Siddham, uh, people like jo- uh, Justin Allen. You know, there's, there's, there are some, a new breed of, of guys that are coming up that are really cool, as well as um, the generals that we love and respect so right. much. You know, again, Bobby, Bobby Connor joined us last night by way of video. And just seeing how Bobby has positioned himself. He's always been a man of such radical humility, but non compromising when it comes to what he's heard from the Lord. Yeah. I love Bobby too, because he, he, he has such a great balance between the severity of God and the love of God. It, you know what I mean? He doesn't shy away from like challenging things or like bringing correction or, or bringing those, those hard words that I, I think that need to be said. Um, it's, it's, it's cool to see, you know, how God has used him over all these, all these years. Bob Jones was like that too bring those, you know, those words that were corrective. And you need both. You need both to bring balance. Yeah. And Bob was such an amazing, just look at his life and how he transformed in his, in, in his, and how he evolved, I guess you could say. Mm. From the point where in the early days of Bob, you couldn't really understand really a word that he was saying. He used to have to have Paul Keith as a, as a translator, right? Like, now, when Bob says that the bear is attacking the cheese, the bear is symbolic of, you know, and the cheese is symbolic of, right, America. And, you know, but in his, his latter years, it was, he was so simple. And he would just sit there. And it was almost the way that I kind of envisioned Jesus kind of ministering. I envisioned Jesus ministering while kind of sitting down and just like just sharing the, these places of simple revelation that was so easy that even children could get it, and yet also so profound. And it was just so cool. It's just seeing Bob's life and the whole "Did you learn to love?" thing and yeah. the, passing, you know, going into glory on Valentine's Day and that whole thing. I mean, he just modeled. He modeled so much for for our generation. Yeah, amazing, right? Not without controversy, though. Right. Plenty of controversy with the Kansas City prophets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also fascinating just also that Bob went through a season where he needed some restoration. Yeah. The Bob went through a season where he, where he had to be rebuked. Mm-hmm. And it was in that time that God really called Bobby into it. Bobby had that vision of a, of, a, of a wounded eagle. And when the eagle looked at him, it had the face of Bob. You know, and, and Bobby knew that it was his role, it was his job to come alongside of Bob to help restore him. Man. And because I, I always kind of question the relationship there, like was Bob like a father figure to Bobby? Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I think maybe, but I don't. But I think that they're almost more like 
brothers. I almost feel like mm. Bob was like an older brother mm-hmm. to like, there wasn't this authority kind of thing where like, you know, submit like, you know, that kind of thing right, right. as much as it was like an older brother and a younger brother and this place of where this younger brother came alongside of, of, of his wounded older brother to help him through a season. And then they got to fly together. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty cool, man. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. I love, I, I think prophets are amazing. I've always been fascinated with the prophetic. I think it's so cool just the way that God speaks, God talks, and he uses different um, vessels to do it, you know, and, and language, different kinds of language that, that prophets use. And uh, you have to look beyond the, the vessel and look at the gift. Because we get stuck by the vessel sometimes. <laughs> I remember when I first seen Bob Jones, I was like 16, 15 years old. And he came to a church in Nashville called the Foundry, connected with Morningstar. My mom told me, there's going to be a prophet that's coming tonight. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I've never seen a prophet. But I thought to myself, you know, like what you think of the the Old Testament, like prophets, you know, that thought of of that coming. And here comes this guy with... I mean, khakis, <laughs> white socks, <laughs> penny loafers, shirt like wrinkled up with in suit jacket. Like, Was it a sweatshirt? Like like the chuckers stop? No, he did okay. later on. He did wear the. Uh, he did have a sweatshirt. It was like always wore the sweatshirts with the eagles on them. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but when I seen him, he, he he came in and he had like this like blazer jacket that was like too big for him. Yeah. It was just the weirdest thing. And my mom was like, there's a prophet right there. I was like, yeah. wow, that looks like a homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> but he got up that night. It was amazing. And he talked about um, the garden of the Lord. Wow. And the fragrances that came out of the garden. Oh, wow. And there was seven fragrances. I'll never forget it. Wow. Seven different fragrances that came into the meeting. Yeah. And you could smell it like vanilla. Wow. Like apple blossom. It was crazy. It was so so amazing. I was like, wow, this is something. You know, it's not, and I love pastors and stuff, but I mean, (laughs) yeah, it just seems cool. A guy could come into a meeting and like, yeah, here's some cherry blossoms. Right. You know? Yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, it was a good meeting. Hey, dude, uh, I got a nap time coming up here. And so okay. uh, I, I want to I wrap this up. But before we do, dude, uh, you, you were ministering this morning and you actually, t- there was, you, you ministered, your word this morning was on exposure and, and, and the importance for the, for the judgment and justice of God to be released, which is mm-hmm. really like mm-hmm. a powerful, powerful word. When you're ending, you were even, you, you began to pray and speak into um, Bill Gates and you released a word this last year in regards to the Pacific Northwest, in regards to the Gates and mm-hmm. Bill Gates exposure. Um, just wanted to dive into that really quick. Okay. And so yeah. can you share with us kind of the, the, the vision that you saw there? And Well, you know, it, when I first had that, I actually had that vision about five months before I released it publicly. And I texted you. Yeah. And said, I just had 
of vision where I was brought into uh, the eye of the dollar bill. You remember that? Yeah, I do. And what was so weird about it was I was actually grocery shopping when it happened. I was at the grocery store getting groceries for my family, but I was, I was on a fast, and as I was getting the food, all of a sudden, the, the eye of the pyramid of the dollar like took over my vision, and I went into the eye of it, and I saw all these strings, like um, electrical, like uh, wires that were holding holding things up, and and they were being cut, being cut, being, and they were like being exposed. And 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 then the Lord spoke to me about uh, Bill Gates, about the Gates Foundation, about the foundation of the Gates, about there being exposure coming out of that. And then also uh, was connected uh, with the spirit of pharmacai being exposed as well. Wow, wow, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was fascinating. And it, there was something about, yeah, that God was going to break those, those, those strings and that it was going to do something even within the currency. It was going to have a major impact, mm -hmm. right, on, mm -hmm. on the currency. And, yeah, and so you were, you were um, we prayed into that this morning that there would be exposure that would come and that no financial compensation would be able to keep things hidden. Hidden. Yeah. Everything that was classified, uh, that was encoded and encrypted, um, would be exposed. Yeah. And the Lord recently showed me these angels. They were very tiny, small angels. Mm. Um, and I said, Lord, what are those? He said, those are nanotech angels. And they're able to go behind coded information, things that are encrypted and able to uncrack encryptions. And so there's a lot of things that have been in secret that have been encrypted that are going to uh, be exposed and going to be brought out. And it has to do with the Lord is releasing these nanotech angels that are going to go in and um, they're going to be able to bring that information out to the public. They're going to actually crack those codes. They're going to get into those places um, that was classified, that they thought that they had gotten rid of, and they're going to be able to pull that information for the public to see. And there's going to be a great, a great exposure. And the, and the Lord spoke to me and said that it, it's not going to be whistleblowers. It's going to be trumpeters. So where it's, where it's been, and I kept seeing these angels with trumpets, and they're going to herald the truth. Wow, wow. So where wow. There, there's been manipulations, in the currencies, there's been manipulations in the, in the pharmaceutical industries, there's been manipulations in foundations that have, uh, um, different things that have been happening. The Lord says, I'm going to cause not my whistleblowers to come forth, but there's going to be such an exposure of information that there will be like it'll be like a clarion trumpet call wow, wow, for wow, wow. reformation. Wow. So that's what real reformation. When we speak, when people are talking about reformation, I think they're speaking about something different than I'm speaking about, because what I see as far as reformation is I see that there's going to be such massive exposure over certain things that have been manipulated and have, um, 
and people have been harmed drastically from them that it's going to be like, like trumpets going off where there will be those that will be held responsible, but there will be a reformation and it will have to change. Wow. Have to be transformed, have to be, have to be completely um, be done, done, done a different way. Wow. Which, wow. you know, wow. one of those things I see is like the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Yes. I see like um, that there, there's going to be such exposure to know that life begins at conception mm-hmm. and, and that they will no longer be able to hide it anymore. Wow. Wow. That it will wow. be seen as the murdering of children. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I've seen it. I've seen it overturned. Wow. Come on. Yeah. Come on. So it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 Man, that's awesome. Bro, okay, so it's March 2022, right? Mm. So two years later, we, we survived COVID, bro. We survived the first we did. pandemic of our generation. Cheers. We made it out. We made it out, man. I mean, it's crazy. I was at my donut shop this morning. And... Um, and I think I think they're Vietnamese or something, but like they like they have always upholded like all the mandates, right? Like uh, it actually, it, yeah. Like and and I went in today without my mask, just kind of testing the waters, right? And they and and I think they smiled at me because they still have to wear a mask because they're employees there. But uh, I saw it looks like like it looked like they were smiling at me. I smiled really big at them, and then I saw other people coming in without the mask, and I was like. We made it, here we go. But here we enter into a next big epoch and we're gonna make it through this and Jesus is gonna be glorified and this is gonna be an opportunity for the church. Yeah, and if we study out the cycles, we'll know what's coming. That's good, it's really good. Because there's nothing new under the sun. Right. So what's coming? Revival, revival's coming. Exactly. A great awakening is and, coming. Oh, and an outpouring like we've never seen before. Yes, yes, yes. It's imminent, it's coming. Come on. And we get to be a part of it. That's right, that's right. All right, you guys, thank you so much for being a part. Take a nap. All right, bless you.